the restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. What's going on, guys? How are you? And welcome back to the Paper Trails Podcast. I'm Nick Algarimitros, the host of the podcast, and I'm very excited for today's episode. This is episode 18, season two uh, of our show podcast. Um, I am super pumped. Um, have you ever wondered like where coffee comes from, how it's quality of coffee, how it's brewed? Today is your episode. Um, I enjoy coffee, but I don't know that much about coffee. And so I'm excited to bring to you Ben Aleman with Magnolia <laughs> Coffee Company. Correct. And we are, um, is it Matthews? Yeah, we're in Matthews, North Carolina. So located in Matthews, North Carolina. Just outside of Charlotte. Yeah, just outside of Charlotte. And um, Ben has been um, pretty much running, distributing, pretty, doing all facets of Magnolia. Yeah, if we had to, uh, we would call me the production manager. Production manager. Yeah. And uh, he is the expert here. And um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk, Ben, about coffee, what we're drinking, the beans we have here in front of us. Uh, just from start to finish, a little bit about, you know, um, how coffee is produced, made, extracted. Um, you know, believe it or not, I, I did not even know this, that coffee comes from a cherry. It's the seed of a cherry, correct? That's correct. I did not, I had no clue. And so um, it's just interesting how, you know, you're just ignorant to certain things and we just drink coffee and it's like, oh, this is this is great. This is a good little pick-me-up yeah. uh, drink. But um, anyway, Ben, for people that may not know you, let's give a little background. Um, you know, how did you end up here as the production manager of Magnolia? Like, how did everything, you know, is your background in a coffee? Is that what you've always enjoyed? I know you have some food business experience. You do. Yeah. So give us give us a little context and then we'll dive uh, dive deep into the into the coffee. Yeah, absolutely. So um, grew up most of my life here in the Charlotte area. Okay. Um, moved here uh, late 80s, early 90s with my parents. It was uh, elementary school or whatever, but uh, grew up around here doing restaurants. Worked in lots of different restaurants. Always had a thing for cooking. Was always welcome in the kitchen, invited into the kitchen in my family. That's a big thing. Okay. Men cook in my family. That's just a thing. My dad's awesome at it. Yeah. Um, so it was a it was a simple transition for me to like see coffee and go wow that has really cool culinary parallels because we're caramelizing sugars essentially that's what makes coffee what it is we're okay. we're putting it in a in a roaster and roasting it to uh, you know sweet yummy flavors and so it, it paired really well next to the restaurant industry okay. so after 10 or 11 years of restaurants I was like Yeesh, let me let me take a break from this and which, which happens a lot <laughs> yeah for sure you restaurants get, are intense you absolutely get, you can get burnt out pretty pretty easy in, in the business absolutely I was uh, you know at, at one point I Towards the end of my restaurant career, I was a corporate trainer for a, you know, corporate restaurant company, kind of bouncing around doing training and re-education and stuff. I was just like, I need to. So I went to getting up early in the morning instead of staying up till late at night at the restaurants, kind of switched that shift a little bit and okay. fell in love with coffee instantly. I, have, have you always liked coffee? I mean, it's always been a part of my household. My father's always drank coffee and I had some when I was little. My yeah. grandmother would give me coffee milk, you know, like most people's grandmother does. Okay. Um, but it just, 
I, I, I took a job at a coffee shop um, from a friend that I used to work with in the restaurant industry. Okay. It was just like, it was easy, right? It was 12 bucks an hour, pour a cup of coffee, smile at somebody. But I really fell in love with what I call the counterculture, okay. uh, which is just, I realized that I could change somebody's day because they're the first person I'm the first person that they're speaking to most likely, right? Okay. They roll out of bed, spouse is still asleep, they hop in the car, they drive to the coffee shop like a zombie, <laughs> and I can hand them a cup and really make a snap change in their day okay. for the better, right? Okay. So, and I, I, I bred a, a coffee shop with employees that kind of felt that same way. And it was like, wow, this is really cool. Like I'm doing something pretty, Pretty simple, pretty easy, right? I'm just yeah. brewing coffee, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I thought in the beginning. Then I got into it. I'm like, wow, there's a lot into this. So it was really quickly hooked me. There's a little bit of science. There's a little bit of culinary. There's a little bit of bartending. There's all those things because you're mixing a drink and you're uh -huh. making something special. You know, put a little chocolate in your latte. And, Actually, you know. yeah, tell, tell, tell everybody what I'm drinking right now. So Nick is drinking a uh, mocha latte made with espresso and Ghirardelli chocolate. And then I texture milk uh, so that we can get tiny little microphone bubbles on it. So they're really smooth and creamy. And when you pour it, it makes layers in the beverage and you can make really, really tasty handcrafted drinks that are smooth and delicate and just really, really yummy. So, yeah, I mean, and like, you know, my my extent of coffee drinking, Ben, just so you know, is, you know, just a cup of coffee, please. Or uh, right. ice. I mean, it's like, a diner cup, like, a pre-ground yeah, la yeah. latte. I don't even know what that means. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, it tastes first of all, it tastes really good. Yeah. It tastes really good. But uh but I love it. I, I love it. I, I love the the passion that I think is behind it. Uh, the love. I mean, it's it does remind me a lot of the food business. It, it very much is. It's it's culinary on multiple levels because we're starting with an agricultural product. We're essentially starting with a grain. When I get coffee in the roastery, it comes to me green, and it actually has like grassy smells, and it, it smells like it came off of a farm, and then. We weigh out a batch, put it in the roaster, and we sort of cook off some of those green, grassy, Elements. you know, uh, you know, not <laughs> tasty smells, and turn them into really nice, yummy caramels and chocolates, and you know, sweet flavors that are naturally sweet. I put a little chocolate in yours because I mean, why not have yeah, a little chocolate, right? Course, it's kind of fun, of course. But coffee in its natural state can be really sweet too really? if you brew it correctly. Uh, one of the most common things I hear with the coffee that we make here at Magnolia is people take a sip and go, wow, I don't, I don't need to put anything in this. And these are people that, you know, cream and sugar coffee every day of their life for 40, 50 years. They're like, this, this, there's just, and it's coffee and water. And so when you have it done rightly, done correctly, extracted well, it should taste exactly like coffee smells. People also say, I don't like the way coffee tastes, but I love the way it smells. What, what's the first thing I said when I walked in today? <laughs> it smells so, amazing. So, good. <laughs> so if you brew coffee correctly, okay. it should taste almost exactly like ground coffee. And so the fact that mo a lot of people say that to me <coughs> just tells me that most people don't have coffee brewed correctly. Mm. Freshly roasted ground beans brewed with the right amount of water and the right temperature and all those things. And you can... You can really change somebody with a really good cup of coffee. Like wow. it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse though, because you have a really awesome cup and then you go get one that's not really awesome. You're like, wait a minute, <laughs> this isn't what I had yet. You know, so it, 
it takes just a couple little tricks, a couple little fun things to learn about. I mean, it's it's kind of specific. There's a there's a recipe to it, just like a recipe in the kitchen. Yeah, you can't just willy nilly put some stuff together. Most people can't just willy nilly put some stuff together and make a cake or make a cookie. Yeah. There's got to be certain ratios of wet and dry and all those things. And kind of the same thing goes into coffee on multiple levels. Wow. So yeah. Okay, so so uh, let, let's back up a second. So you're in the yeah, food. I'll run wild if you let me. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> you're in the food business. You wanted some change. You start working at this coffee shop. You you know no, you you not, it's, you're not coming in knowing any of this. No, not at all. You're just good with people, good with yeah. organizing teams, things like that. Yeah, you've been, been a corporate trainer, been in charge of teams of people and motivating, you know, individuals sure. to, you know, get together. And I was like, this is a whole nother world. Like, yeah, we're still doing food. We're making sandwiches and salads over there for the lunch rush. But in the morning, it's just coffee, coffee, coffee. Let's dial this coffee in, which is a term that we use to say we're getting our recipe just right. Yeah. Right. So like, I dialed in that espresso so that I got just enough ground coffee and just enough water. So that when I passed that water through the ground coffee, it tasted really, really good. And so you do that and you, you make a difference in a so in So a cup. you learn most of your stuff there at that job? Or is that, was that just the very gentle introduction into just coffee? I mean, just a scratch on the surface. And honestly, after, I don't know how many years, we're not gonna do the math, 15, 16 years of, uh -huh. of the coffee industry, I still feel like I'm learning all the time. We're, 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 we're constantly doing things with roast levels and roast degrees and um, the, the, all the little variables that come with coffee um, to you know, try and make it more balanced, more even, put, pack more flavor into that cup. Wow taking off the harsh flavors and leaving the good flavors in there. So, I mean, it's a constant evolution sure, and learning sure. process. But yeah, um, found coffee at a coffee shop, just thought this is awesome. How can I learn more about this? How can I learn more about the machinery and the equipment that does it? How do I clean it? How do I repair it? There's all kinds of little things that were just like, wow, this is really awesome. Speaking of like learning about coffee, this is just something that I'm interested. I'm, I'm just curious about. Yeah. Is there like a goat of coffee? Like, is there like a guy like, <clears throat> that like knows a ton, like, I don't know, does that even exist? Yeah, sure. There's, um, so in the coffee world, we have um, like barista competitions and things like that. Okay. So you can, for locally or nationally, nationally? Locally? All the above, worldwide as well. So okay. there's like world barista champions. And I mean, you start off in your local area and you, you know, just like any other, sure. you know, pool league or whatever, yeah, 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 yeah. you compete and back and forth and they have routines. Uh, there's several people that I, kind of go to when, when, when customers ask me like, okay, so how should I brew this? Or how should, um, sure. you know, I, this is what kind of equipment I have. I'm like, oh, great. James Hoffman has a really great recipe. Scott Rao has a really great recipe. I mean, there's lots of like very, I mean, very established. Uh, yeah, exactly. Con connoisseurs that. And they've got work. tons of stuff on YouTube and it's all free. And they cool. like when, when I watch their stuff or see their presentations on how to do things, I'm like, that's exactly how I train coffee. So I can share this with other people. Like, this is how I do it. This is how he does it. And this is a guy that, you know, was a world barista champion for like four or five years in a row until he was like, ah, I'm just going to judge now, you yeah. know, like, or, or whatever. And has his own coffee roastery and his own, uh, you learn a lot of really cool ways to test coffee too because of the things that they put up. Um, Interesting. You, know, you learn about a, a triangle test where you have two coffees of the same and one that's different. Uh -huh. And I set them up and you don't know what they are. Okay. And you test, taste all three like and tell pot. me if you can pick out the oddball. Wow. And so roasting two coffees very, very similarly, 
slightly different maybe, and then putting those in that triangle test, can you tell the difference between the two same and the one separate? How hard is that? At first, it's a little difficult, but then once you like, we will tell you what the third one is like, oh, and now you can, oh, I'll pick that out. And so at first when I got into coffee, I was like, no way I can, you can, I, no way you can look at that bean right there and tell me that's an Ethiopia. I can do it from across the room now. Like it's, yeah. it's one of those things. Like I'll, I'll grab a blend from some other roaster or some other coffee shop and look at the beans and go, uh, is that a South American? And uh, we got some Brazil and maybe Guatemala in there. Like, how do you, I can see them. You know, you can see the, yeah, yeah. you know, so, but it's just a thing that you learn over time. Yeah. Uh, and at first I didn't believe it was a thing. You could taste a coffee and people can pick out region and elevation and wow. variety and I'm nowhere near that, but it's definitely there. It's, there's enough nuance in coffee that you can, you can, you can tell all the different, and there's, there's a vast, vast world of it. Thousands of farms all over the world. Uh, that hand-picked coffee one cherry at a time. No kidding. Yeah. Well, so when it ripens, we're going to bounce around all over the place sure, here because my go brain does Go ahead. That, You're but, good. Um, when, as coffee's ripening, there's a lot of times, depending on the region, but there's sometimes a three or a four-week window, up to a three or four-week window as those cherries are becoming ripe. And so they'll start green and turn yellow and then get into reds. Well, you'll go through the farm and there'll be a cluster of cherries on the, on the bush. Uh -huh. Only a few of them will be actually ripe and ready. Yeah. So you pick those and then come through the next day and pick a few more ripe ones and pick and carry them down a mountain. Have you done that? I have not been to origin yet. Yeah. That's one of the, I've been kind of here doing production and doing all the roasting. No, I, I, uh, I was curious. But we do as Magnolia, our, our owner has gone several times, he's been to Costa Rica and Honduras, even Indonesia. He's been you know, all up and down South and Central America. And then uh, nothing on the African continent yet. He hasn't, I think it's kind of tough to get into yeah. Ethiopia and stuff who, like who, that. But. Who's, who has the, I mean, is it um, soil? I mean, how, what, what makes, or what, or what regions produce the best coffee? So coffee is produced <laughs> all around the planet between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn. Okay. So the, the tropic regions and- First off, I haven't heard of those words. <laughs> <laughs> since your uh, elementary school oh geography. God, <laughs> anyway, that, but you know exactly what I, I'm talking I, about, I right? I, so, now that you say it, but- Sure, sure. Okay. So that's where temperature and sunlight are enough for, I mean, coffee takes a lot of that to grow. Okay. And there's not very many, many cherries on each individual tree. I think a really good producing Arabica plant makes about a pound of coffee per tree. Wow. Right. Not so it's that like much. not that much. It's, you know, a few handfuls of cherries yeah. per bush. So scattered all up and down the mountainside. <coughs> so climate, soil conditions, weather conditions, all of those things play a factor when they're harvested, all those things. And also how they're dried, how they're cared for before they even come to me. There's a lot of variables before I even get them in this green form. Um, but yeah, so it's hard to say who has the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, I was just curious, like, I mean, I mean I, I've heard of Ethiopian, what, Brazil, is that one? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I've heard of these, I just didn't know like, yeah. you know, what are the top two, three, four, five? So I'd say like Brazil is the largest coffee producer on the planet. They okay. produce more coffee than I think any other country, mostly just from their sheer size, right? They're a huge Land country, mass, yeah. huge, huge country and lots and lots of very viable growing coffee growing regions. Okay. Um, high elevation helps, you know, that those, you know, 5,000 feet, 4,000 feet above sea level elevation okay. is really good for nicer varieties of, of coffee. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, 
there's countries all over the world, there's regions all over the world that are growing uh, really, really nice varieties of, co of Arabica coffee now that, um, you know, hybrids, uh, geishas and SL28s and all these like, you know, specific. crossbred specific species of coffee that make really, really fantastic cups. The drawback is on the coffees like that, there's very little of that. Yeah, you can't scale that. It's a right, difficult. and it's it's super, super expensive. Yeah. So one of the things that we like to focus on here is making that, almost that quality of coffee, top five, three, three percent of coffee that's produced on the planet, accessible to the everyday sure. coffee drinker. You're spending 12 or 15 bucks, maybe, you know, $20 for a 12 ounce or a, a you know, one pound. Sure. Um, and it, it's, it's a, Amazing experience, but it's not breaking the bank. Is it is it possible to grow that cherry plant here or no? So there's some experiments going on with that right now. I know there's a few places in California and um, even like, I think I saw something about a, a, a guy who's doing a farm in Utah or something. Um, so, that, like, so they're trying. They're trying. Gotcha. It's... Um, it's difficult gotcha. in like United States, but I know of a couple of coffee plants that are growing right here in Charlotte. I was just curious. Though. Yeah, but they don't produce very much. They're Not like, sure. you know, six feet tall and they produce a dozen cherries a year, taking a couple of seasons to, gotcha. you know, brew a cup of coffee. But tell, uh, tell us a little bit about what you were telling me about how you actually, there's a couple of different ways to extract. Yeah, so after seed. harvest, um, you get these crates and barrels full of red cherries. Okay. Um, there's two schools of thought. Um, well, you know, ways you, ways you can go with uh, drying those out. Okay. You can leave the cherry intact okay. with the seeds inside, okay. and that allows the seeds to dry out and absorb the fruit and some of the crazy acid compounds and sugars that are located inside the cherry. Okay. Um, the other way you can go is to crack that cherry uh, and break it off and either wash it or uh, rinse or um, uh, mechanically separate the uh, the cherry from the seed okay. and then dry the seeds separate from that sun-dried patios you know raised beds that kind of thing um, the natural which is the leaving the cherry intact okay. kind of came out of necessity in regions where there wasn't a ton of water okay so water is a commodity and you couldn't just flush twenty thousand dollars of water down the drain that makes sense we've got to figure out a way to still make coffee without this water Ethiopia is a big, you know, Yurgachevs and Harars and all these things. They they grow this coffee and then dry them whole, break the dried cherries off, and then give you the seeds from the inside. You get crazy fruit-forward flavors, blueberries and cranberries and all kinds of fun stuff. Wow. Whereas washed coffees are kind of more clean and you get more, you know, regular coffee-flavored coffee tones, chocolates, nuts, things like that. Um, everyday drinking kind of cup. Uh, we make a lot of coffee that is just that. Most of our coffee is going to be everyday drinking, cup of joe. You know, which I just is, want which a is cup what of coffee. Most people want exactly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, exactly. you, as a business, I guess from the business side, you have to. Yes, you want to create a unique product, but at the same time, that most people will right. Most people just want to grab their pot, pour it in a cup, put a little cream or sugar or whatever, and, and, then and hit to work. To work. You know what yeah. I mean? And it, it's going to be. Tasty and fun and, and just everyday drinking kind of thing. My dad still loves dark roast. I'm not a huge fan of dark roast. I don't like a lot of the smoky, earthy, you know, woody flavors that you can yeah. get from dark roast. Yeah. But people do. So who am I to say, it's, right? It's you a, like what you like, it's right? A preference, I'm yeah. gonna give you the best possible dark, dark roast I can. It's yeah. gonna give you those notes that, oh, they make you know, like my dad growls like a tiger when he <laughs> sips a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, he's like, it's crazy. He used to come into coffee shops where I worked back in the day and get an espresso and start growling at everyone. I'm like, God. <laughs> Awesome. But that's what, I mean, that's what he likes, yeah, right? So yeah. he likes that dark roast. He likes that intense flavor. He likes that punch, yeah. you know, like you go to the French restaurant, you get a really dark cup of coffee. That's kind of typical. So I make a few of those. But I'd say most of our stuff is in the medium range. So, so what is this? Show, show us, you know, what, what. So in front of us here, this is green coffee. This is how it comes to me. This is about 10 or 12% moisture. This is actually a Guatemalan variety. So they all will look like this? For the most part, yeah. They're gonna be smaller and dense and you can feel them. Pick them up and let them sprinkle. You can uh -huh. feel how kind of heavy and dense and tightly compact they are. When this goes into the roaster, this actually, um, this 12 or 10% moisture that's in there starts to steam okay. when it gets to a certain level. And that steam is trapped on the inside and so it pressurizes and puffs and puffs and puffs until it cracks and opens up and it actually makes a audible crack. We call it first crack. It's a, uh, a point in the roast that we actually track and record because that you know, denotes some of our timing and some of our yeah, you know, yeah. uh, you methods can, of roasting. You can tell the size difference. Exactly, yeah. So you can actually see as it gets darker, a lot of those beans get larger and larger and larger and that seam down the center, that little chaff line in the middle, yep. opens up more and more and more as the coffee roasts because it plumps more. Okay. You're cooking off more of that moisture. This is about 10% moisture. This is like 12% cooked off of that. This uh -huh. is another, you know, 15% cooked off and it goes further and further and further until we're more at like 20, almost 18% of the, of the original weight of this dark roasted coffee is cooked off. So that's, that's another kind of thing. Every time I roast a batch of coffee, I lose 15% of my mass. Wow. Because it's all water weight and, and moisture and, and, and actual physical. This has a, a chaff material. You can kind of see a little papery uh -huh. like coating on the outside. Yeah. When that bean stretches, that papery coating comes off and that's mass that I'm losing too. So what went into the roaster as one pound comes out as eight tenths. Wow. 0.85. Yeah. So like I'm losing a cut off the top right away. So we're, we're trying to like make medium coffees that are tasty and retain some of that goodness because that's where a lot of flavor comes. The darker that coffee goes, the more those flavors get cooked out of the chimney. Okay. So, and, then, and then profiles will change. Taste profiles will change the more that you yep. cook it, roast it. Yeah. So uh, on the lighter spectrum, you're going to be keeping uh, brighter notes. Uh, a lot of times fruitier flavors will be coming through. You might be tasting things like apple or cherry or um, tart things. You can get some some acids in there where you get, oh, that's a really acidic, you know, it's got that sharp flavor. Uh -huh. And the, the further you go into the roast, the more rounded and based and roasty and like down low earthy flavors you can come out. So those lighter flavors will cook off and go up the chimney and then <coughs> you'll start to develop stronger, richer, you know, darker flavors towards the, the darker roast if you're into that. Okay. I kind of really like a mix between those. A lot of times when I'm introducing people to our coffee that uh, might generally like a, a darker roast, I'd take something like this and mix it with something like this, so they get a little salt and pepper action. Is that is that popular? Like like it do, is. do people put like mix a couple of different? Uh... So essentially, they leave it to us mostly. I mean, we have a few like you know coffee nerd fans that you know like order online. They'll order a couple of coffees and mix them together in their own. Uh, but that's kind of my job, right? I make blends 
Uh, we design blends, gotcha, gotcha. taste them and try them and try and get them to balance, right? I wanna get a little more roasty or a little less roasty or this one's too fruity, let's bring this fruity element down and we can you know, try them like that, come up with awesome blends that are just gonna be winners nonstop. You know, like consistent, this is a great cup of coffee. Um, and we've got a lot of those. We've got a bunch of those that we found through the years that have been staples in our program. Um, what, are, you know, what, make, are, what, are some, what are some of the blends, shout out to Magnolia, what are some of the blends that you guys have that are best sellers? I mean, so anything? right now I'd say uh, Magnolia Blend. We, uh, we, we created a, a namesake flagship blend uh, a couple of years ago, end of 19, beginning of 2020. <coughs> Uh, sent that one into coffee review, got a really great score on it. Um, and we started with a coffee that was, has been part of our program for years. Yeah. Um, we keep basically the same two origins, about the same blend ratio and uh, added a few things to it, made it a little sweeter. So Magnolia brand blend has been really amazing. Okay. Uh, Dreamlands is really nice medium dark that uh, Magnolia has been making for 10, 12 years. I mean, it's been a, that was actually designed by Jay 15 years ago when he was working for a previous company and he brought that blend here. And when he brought it into Magnolia, he kind of, I mean, it's, it's kind of in his father's name. His, his dad was a big fan of, of that style of coffee. And so it's been a staple blend for us as a, like a dark roast drinkers. Okay. Uh, but it's kind of that same way, mediums and dark. So you get that dark, deep flavor, but you also get those really great coffee flavors. Um, but yeah, our Jade Espresso has done really well and we've got, you know, Guatemala's and we've got a lot of really good scoring, 92, 93, 94 point scoring coffees. Let's, so. let's, let's chat about that. What does that, yeah. what, you know, what does that even mean? Tell, so, yeah. tell the audience out there that's not in the coffee hemisphere. Sure, know. sure. So much like a, a wine spectator score or um, I sit, take a, a coffee blend or single origin and send it off to a company in Berkeley, California called Coffee Review, okay. uh, run by uh, Ken Davids, Kim Westerman. There's a bunch of people that do uh, coffee tasting with them there, but they take my sample, assign a number to it and uh, do what they call a cupping, which is basically just the, the most simple form of brewing coffee. Uh, ground coffee, water, let it brew, skim the grinds off, take a sample, taste it. So it's very plain, very raw, no mechanics, no, you know, no machines to get in the way. And they'll assign a, a set of scores, body, taste, aftertaste, profile, flavor, all those things, assign a score blindly without knowing who it is or where it is, right next to other coffees too. So they're tasting other things at the same time. So you get a really fair, and once they finish there, they'll write a little view. This is what I tasted. This is the overall balance of the coffee. Here's the point score we got on it. Publish it in their you know, newspaper, their online newspaper or whatever. Uh -huh. And give me a nice little logo to stick on the bag so that people can reference that on the website. And then, you know, they do some advertising too. They'll put a link on their website for us so that people can go read about the coffee, click it, buy it from us, have that same experience at home. So whenever, whenever you send them the sample coffee yeah. and then they talk about what they've uh, tasted, are mm -hmm. they pretty spot on? Like, I mean, like, have you like looked in like- Crazy spot on. Like, so like, like when you, when you go and, and, and drink that coffee, you're like, wow, that is graham cracker and like marshmallow sweetness. This does taste like a cup of s'mores. Like on that, cupping note sense. Not like I put s'more sweetener in there. I've actually oh, yeah, got chocolate course. in it, but you really can get some of those. There is a floral element to that. Maybe that is jasmine flower or magnolia flower. I actually get that one a lot. They don't know it's magnolia and we get magnolia flower out of some of our 
cupping notes that you know come back more floral. It's it's really kind of interesting when you go back into you're like I, maybe I didn't taste that originally. I send it to them. I read their review and brew it. It's like wow, there is cedar wood and you know smoky elements in that one or whatever. It's 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 really cool. They're they're super good at their job and so they do so there's thousands and thousands and thousands of coffee. They do coffees from roasters all, literally all over the world. Interesting. Yeah. 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 See, I, I did not know that. I, I did not know there was a. It's like. Sport. And there's other companies that do it too. You know, sure. like Coffee Review is. I mean, it's the one that we've always worked with, and I mean, it's it's probably one of the bigger ones out there. Uh, but it, it allows for some great advertising. Um, and then Coffee Review does fun stuff too, where almost every month of the year, a lot of times eleven months a year, they'll take one month off. They'll have a free review, that uh, a contest. So you send in a coffee as long as your roasting company, your roaster, or the coffee itself subscribes to the rules of that month. Sure. So coffee's from Kenya, or coffee's roasted by new coffee companies that have only been in business less than two years, or you know, whatever. They'll have whatever stipulation they have on that month's competition. You send a coffee in, they cup it against all those other coffees, they write a review about the top 10 ranking ones. Hmm. So. Magnolia's history, I don't know, maybe the last 10 times, at least once a year, we get in on at least once of the one of those monthly competitions. Nice. And sometimes we actually really smash it. That Dreamlands blend I was telling you about, that uh -huh. medium dark blend, uh -huh. several years back that went in, they had a comp competition that was uh, coffees approaching dark roast. And they were acknowledging people like this stuff, let's make the best dark roast we can. Uh -huh. They took like 160 or 100, and, 100 and something entries. We got number six. Nice. The whole world with Dreamlands Blend scored 90 points. And I think the next few coffees above us on the top 10 were like super, super expensive. Ours was like $12.99 or $13.99 for the bag. And the ones above us were really, really pricey. So it's kind of like we can compete with those guys and we've got everyday drinking stuff that's just so, I mean, awesome. Magnolia prides itself on the quality of Right? Right. We really do try and buy the best coffees possible. Um, a lot of the coffees that we use, we've been using from that farm or from that region for many, many years. And we've actually got relationships with those farmers or with those exporters to get that same quality year in, year out. Yeah. Like I'm going to tell, some, you know, a, a, a farmer a year in advance, maybe a year and a half in advance. I think we're going to use 60 bags of that this year. So if, you, if I can have that reserved, put a down payment on it, put a deposit, they know they've got that locked in, then I can have enough of that coffee to last me for the entire calendar year. Gotcha. So that, that helps keep our consistency up. And then we're buying the best quality stuff that we can. Yeah. You know, we're, we're buying coffee that's two or three times as much as like, you know, this coffee is fair. There's a lot of labels out there on coffee. So you hear like fair trade and all this stuff. We do what's called direct trade. So we're like handshake deals with farmers for our main staples so that we can have that consistency and quality all the way through. Yeah. And we've no, it's way above fair trade prices. Like fair trade prices are awesome. And I'm glad we're doing that because most of the coffee in the world is sold for less than a dollar a pound. I don't, I don't have a single coffee in our program like that. A, a, a lot of our coffee is multiple, multiple dollars a pound green. And a lot of that goes right back to the direct trade arrangements that we have set up. We pay so, a premium on so a lot. So fair of them. trade was put in place to make sure that people are paying decent amounts for coffee, so the farmers are making money. Correct. Okay. Uh, correct. It, I don't it, know. I fair know fair trade, and uh, you know a lot of those other you know Rainforest Alliance, a lot of those other stamps you can get on there are are, are basically designed so that you can ensure 
longevity and coffee quality gotcha, and gotcha. farmers are getting what they need because it, it's a heck of a lot of work i mean it's it's a it, grown on the side of a mountain like i said before pick one cherry at a time and even for a small roaster we are definitely a micro roaster here we do less than a hundred thousand pounds a year here um but even looking at the pile of coffee that we'll have on hand i mean i might have 20 you know 30 40 bags of coffee laying around like that's a whole lot of work into getting that and in, in just that little small pile of coffee. And you yeah. think about the big, huge conglomerate coffee roasters that are out there that do, that roast more coffee in one shift than I turn in an entire year. Wow. Yeah. Who's, like, the, who's the biggest? Is there like- So the, as far as I understand, there's a couple of really, really big ones in the uh -huh. country. One, you know, one sort of in the Midwest that just recently formed as a, a bunch of large companies merged together. Mm -hmm. But the biggest one around here, you know it, you've probably driven by it, S&D. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Serve tons of coffee. They make McDonald's, they make Waffle House, they make all, basically every hotel Massive and factory. diner and everything that you know of they have constant flow of coffee. So when I roast a batch here, I weigh out 20 or 25 pounds, dump it in a pre-warmed roaster, charge the batch, run it for 15 minutes, pull out about 21 pounds, 22 pounds. They have a constant stream of green coffee going in one side and a constant stream of no roasted kidding. coffee coming out the other side. Have you been there to see it? I have, I have, it's it's fantastic. So like, it's it's definitely an amazing setup. They have giant, huge machines. Human hands never touch coffee there. It's like the bags come in from, the green coffee comes in from silos and vacuum tubes and go into roasters and come out and go into containers and like it all gets- It's an operation. Oh man, it's amazing. It's. It's insane. Like it smells really good around here when when I'm roasting, but you come within five miles of S and D. I was you can just gonna smell say it, that, right? like the road, like the, the the whole area, yeah, like around there smells just like yeah. coffee. So there's a little apartment complex right behind there, and I mean you can see from the people's balcony. There's like twelve smokestacks, and there'll just be coffee smoke just coming up constantly, nonstop. Has they they turn a lot? Has um. I, I don't know the answer to this, you know, I'm just curious, has coffee gained any popularity the last 12 years or has, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Cause like, you know, for example, I know breweries, microbrew, like the, that is the last 10, 12, 15 years, you know, we did, um, gosh, who's the brewery we just, we just did. Um, um, anyway, we, 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 yeah, that's right. Vaulted Oak Brewing. Oh, yeah. I you know. watched that one. Yep. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we just did them, and you know, I was talking to Kyle that over the last 10, 12 years, he was in the food business too, and started his own brewing company. Has really popped off. Has that happened, or has it just always been popular? You know, I don't know. I guess I'm just curious. I didn't know. Well, I, I'll say this: Is um, there a trend? I mean, I'm not the end-all, be-all knowledge on coffee, but sure. from the way I understand it, and the way I describe it to people, we're in what we call what I would call the third wave of coffee. Uh, being, we're kind of getting back to handmade, pour over style coffee, really caring for the quality of the product okay. and trying to get the best thing out. It's kind of how we're going here. Okay. Um, second wave of coffee, I would call like the 90s, right? Okay. When Starbucks came onto the scene, which by the way, bless Starbucks for what they are. I'm not a big fan of their coffee, but okay. they've done amazing, amazing things for the coffee industry. Sure. Helped the sustainability, driven the price point up, like five, $6 cups of coffee That's was not- sure. <laughs> Definitely. But five or $6 a cup of coffee would not be possible You're without right. the Starbucks craze, I right? I mean, what, like, I mean, 50 years ago, we're paying 50 cents. I mean, like- I mean, 
Well, so 50 years ago, 60 years ago, coffee was actually really hard to get. Really? That's, I, have, I, have some, I have some things on that. And we'll, we'll break into that a little bit because it was, it was difficult to get high quality coffee. And it was coming from all over the world, but shipping takes forever back then, right? Mm -hmm. It still takes for It still takes us months to ship crates of coffee across yeah, the yeah, oceans, yeah. Okay. right? So back then, a lot of coffee roasters were buying late season coffee, right? Mm -hmm. Coffee that was two or three seasons old. And so that doesn't have a whole lot of, green coffee only stays fresh for maybe a year, two tops. After two years, you really start getting some degraded, degraded flavor. We like to use coffee the year that it's harvested, the yeah. year that it's picked. That makes sense. Fresher the better, right? It's an sense. industrial agricultural product. So roasters in America were buying stale coffee, green coffee essentially, and roasting it really, really dark because the darker you roast coffee, the bigger it gets. And America's all into bigger, right? Like bigger, but if the bag is plumpier and the bag is fuller, but you can still get good flavor out of it, that was the deal. Mm. So like actual ads from back in the day, 50s and 60s were like, use less coffee, same great flavor because it was roasted really dark and he had that unitone dark roast flavor. Interesting. It's actually kind of why Star way I understand it, the way, why Starbucks goes very, very dark on most of their stuff, because they were like, can't beat them, join them. Everybody likes dark coffee, let's just make coffee dark. Interesting. And so that was a thing. That's why, if you think about it, a lot of folks that are that age, that grew up drinking coffee in the 50s and 60s, they all kind of like it dark. Yeah. You know, and it's just because that's what was available. Well, now we've gotten a little better at growing, harvesting, you know, shipping, shipping, supply chain, the whole supply thing. chain stuff, and then roasting. Like I, I use thermometers with a graph, and I measure temperatures to a tenth of a degree Fahrenheit wow. while I'm roasting. I'm timing roasts by the millisecond. You know, like we're getting very, very precise on how we care for this, and then how we brew it. We're very using very specific sizes and weights and measurements, and it's just gotten better and better. Yeah. So that's where that third wave, first wave, fifties. Second wave, 90s, yeah. Starbucks, coffee shops, $4 cups. Now we're into, gosh, I can pay $5 for a cup of brewed coffee. Not, not just a latte with a fancy <coughs> sugars and creams and all that, but even just a really nice cup. I mean, there's some of those micro lots and geishas that I was talking about before. Some of those go for 20, 30, 50, $100 a cup. When they're wow. really, yeah, because certain countries have competitions for their green coffee called Cup of Excellence, and it's an auction. And so you've got a bag of coffee that's 150 pounds and it goes for $10,000 or something crazy. Well, then they sell off pounds of that and then one coffee shop will get a small portion of it, brew a bunch up and sell tickets to serve cups. And those tickets might be $100 a piece Jeez. to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> but it's like, cause there was only yeah, 400 pounds for the entire planet. And you get, you get a, you know, so, I don't get it. I don't find that stuff retailable. Like, yeah, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll dry it. I'll drink it every once in a while, maybe. But I like an everyday cup. And sure, you know. So, so let's let's talk about like the average. Let's say somebody would like to learn or maybe get into coffee a little bit, or you know, have it fresh. I, you know, what what do you suggest for them? Like, what okay. what machines do they need? Like, what. Um, like, you know, do they buy it like this? Like, what do, what do you call it when you take this and you grind it? Yep, ground coffee or ground whole bean. Ground coffee, okay. So I'd say the, the biggest thing someone could do to increase their coffee quality at home, okay. buy whole bean okay. from like a this. local roaster, just like you see in front of you here, some, right? Some kind of blend, you know, find something that-, that, that Blend, single origin, which just means one particular coffee okay. from one farm, okay. or, you know, a blend is fine too. Okay. 
buy whole bean, have a grinder at home. Okay. Your brewer doesn't matter how, as how much. much grinder? You can spend for something that'll last you a couple of years, you could spend $50. Okay, so 40 no, bucks. So nothing crazy. You don't have to get crazy into okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get up to 100, 200, get thousands if you want to. Wow. Um, but that's like commercial quality, sure. gonna last you a lifetime, bulletproof motors, burrs that are gonna last for 10,000 you know, pounds of coffee, that kind of thing. But for seriously, for 100 bucks, 120 bucks, you can get uh, a home grinder that will service you for 10, 20 years, probably the rest of most people's lives. Okay and it will be the single biggest thing that they can do to increase their coffee quality at home because then you have the option to change the size of the grind. Which, which matters. Is, which is how you regulate how the water flows through the grinds. So the finer the grind, the slower it flows through, the coarser the grind, the faster it flows through. Okay, makes sense. So if the coffee brews too quickly, it's gonna be very sour and it's not gonna have all the flavor. A lot of the extraction is left inside the grinds. Which makes sense. If you go too fine, you're gonna get super bitter, really over extracted, heavy, heavy flavors that are too strong and too concentrate because you've exposed too much surface area, absorbed too much water and pulled out too much extraction. So you need to be right in that sweet spot where it's, and it's different for different coffees. It's different for different roasts. You know, for a dark roast, I like to grind a little coarser. For a light roast, I like to grind a little finer because it takes more work to extract flavor out of a light roast than it does dark roast. There's, there's, a, there's a lot there, but essentially your own grinder and buying fresh locally roasted, coffee goes through a degassing period after it's roasted. Uh -huh. So it takes on all that heat um, and starts to release CO2 after it's roasted. And for the first three or four days, that CO2 release is very, very high. There's lots of gas coming out of there. Matter of fact, when you seal up a bag, bags have a hole, that little valve on them where you can, when people smell the bag right there, yeah. that's there to let gas out because the bag will puff up with that pressure. The CO2 is heavier than the air that you trapped in there when you sealed it up. So the air gets pushed out of the top and away from the coffee. If you can keep oxygen away from the coffee, it's gonna stay fresher longer. That, you open that bag, grind your own coffee, your brewer, you can use anything from a $50 Cuisinart to a you know $200 fancy thing. Yeah. There'll be a couple of benefits here and there, but mostly I tell people, you wanna make a difference in your coffee, buy a grinder, find a recipe that works. Measure the amount of coffee you put in your grinder and the amount of water you put in your brewer and stick with that when you find something that tastes good. And people get, get to the point where they, I mean, they find a thing that works and you just use a volume scoop, right? Like you don't have to use the scale anymore. Like, you know about how much coffee that is, throw it in, you do it every day, you get practiced enough at it, you just grab your scoop, throw it in, awesome. Uh, make really great coffee and impress your friends and family and guests yeah. and you know, pass out coupon codes for Magnolia Coffee to all your, all your, all your friends. So. What's, uh, what's Ben's favorite coffee? Uh, right now from Magnolia, I think the Magnolia blend, I've been, uh, that's what I made your espresso with today. Okay. Um, it's, uh, we actually just sent that coffee to Coffee Review. Nice. We've already gotten that, scored a 93 on it uh, last year okay. as a brewed coffee. Okay. We sent it to them to be evaluated as an espresso because we just really think it shines. Big chocolates come through, big berry notes come through. Uh, but that's been my favorite like everyday drinker. Um, there's a component of that coffee that is a naturally processed Costa Rica, which you understand now, uh, that's really, really fruity. It, it tastes like red fruits, it's very tart, it's got lots of fun. So if I had to do something single origin, I would probably brew that in a little small setting. As a matter of fact, I have a sample 
here for you to smell. Okay. And so this is ground Costa Rica Perla Negra, okay. which just essentially means black pearl is the Perla Negra. The cherry stays intact and stays whole. This and is at, super strong. It isn't it? That cherry dries wow. around that seed and they only use the cherries that don't get broken in that blend, in that uh, variety of coffee. Uh -huh. So it absorbs all that fruit, all that sugar, and it gives you these really, like, you wouldn't think that's coffee. No. It's insane, like, like crazy, crazy fruit forward flavors that come out, almost too fruit. Like I couldn't drink that coffee every day. Smell, yeah, I can't even describe the smell. It doesn't smell like coffee though. No. At all. At all. Yeah, no, you can, you can completely, yeah, we just got some grinds there in the cup. Um, Wow. But yeah, it, and it and a small amount of that into an everyday drinking blend just brings a little bit of that sweetness, a little bit of that sugar, a little bit of that fruit forward on the tail end. So it's like it's, chocolate and nuts. It smells and, like a fruit, but I can't even I can't even tell you what like there's no fruit that I've smelled that smells like this. You know what I'm saying? Probably because it's also a, a blend of a couple of things. Okay. So behind you, there's a, a, a cup, cupping wheel, which is, is great for culinary of all sorts, right? They use that in the wine world. <coughs> this one was designed by the SEA for coffee cupping. And you start in the center and work your way out. So very general topics in the middle and very detailed topics on the outside. Okay. And so you work, oh, that is fruity. And it, oh, but it's not floral, it's this way. And so then you can find, you go, oh, it's kind of cranberry berry and red or you know and then you drink it wet and you know you kind of judge what those flavors you know interesting taste. but that's got to be one of my favorite single origins right now it's uh fully natural super juicy and uh really fun tart flavors coming out of it and uh really good tasty stuff so cool yeah. uh last thoughts last thoughts last 12 years of being in the co i mean 15 years being in the coffee business 12 12 or so here. Yeah, 10, 10, 11, 12 with Magnolia. I think, I guess Magnolia starts its 12th year now, essentially. I, I think, I think they, Jay started this right around this time of year, called me about six or eight months later and said, Hey, you still in Charlotte, still want to do coffee. Yeah. Um, last, are, thoughts, la last thoughts. Last thoughts. Last thoughts. Coffee, the industry, suggestions for the audience. What, what are any, anything that you'd like to say? I'd say, I, I love the fact that it's something new and something different all the time. Um, gives me something to play with and, and, and share with people really. Like I really like to expose people to new elements of coffee and blow their minds with things they didn't even know or realize. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I think just the, the, the neighborhood, I'm, I think now, so when I got into coffee, I had that realization. I can change somebody's day by how I serve them and how I greet them and how I can have their favorite style cup of coffee sure, ready to go. Sure. Now I feel like I'm doing that on a grander scale, mm. right? I'm doing that for thousands of people now, kind of all at the same time, a little behind the scenes. I'm not handing the cup and smiling at them, but I have the ability to make an array of coffee that's gonna make people's day, like people start their day with coffee. It's a really important part of our society. So if I can like, help people find a favorite or explore some new things or get into something new to be able to impress their friends and family. Eh, I love the emails that we get that are like, this stuff is amazing. You've changed my coffee routine in the morning. Love it. I love how this works. That, that's what we strive for. We strive for those people that are like, I found you online. This stuff's amazing. I had it at a restaurant. I'm buying it from, you know, from them every week. Yeah. That that's what I really love, you know. It's new and different and changes all the time and and allows me to, you know, 
make, make a difference in lots of people's lives all at the same time. I love so, it, man. Yeah. Ben, I think this was <clears throat> beyond educational, entertaining, laughs, growls. I mean, the, the whole thing was in this episode. Um, I love it. I love it. I mean, you know, back to the original question, you know, if if the audience wanted to learn a little bit about, I mean, that was the goal. Like, hey, let's come and learn a little bit about coffee. Today we did. Yeah. Today we did. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate, appreciate you being here. I appreciate you being a guest on the, on the show. And so guys, uh, episode 18, season two, in the books, Magnolia Coffee Company. Um, stop by and, and visit these guys or shop on their website. MagnoliaCoffeeCo.com. Um, we can, uh, we have uh, fan code and first time buy-in codes there. There's, you'll see it on the website, 20% off your first purchase, basically knocks off the shipping and maybe a couple of bucks. There you go. Uh, free shipping on orders over, I think $35 or something like that. So three bags of coffee, free shipping all over the country, couple of days. Uh, we send orders out the same day that we get them. So we're roasting five days a week around here and sending coffee all over the country and we love it. Perfect, well congratulations on the success of the company and uh, thanks so much. Yep, good to see you guys and we'll see you in the next episode. The restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply.